0: Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to this week's episode of The Alignment Show. My name is Don King, and I am your host for this show, where we have conversations with people who are taking steps to bring their life into alignment with their values. That way, they can live their values and value their life and be an inspiration to you in doing the same thing. Our background looks a little different today. Of course, this is a holiday edition, and uh, our guest today came to us recorded because we weren't certain on this Friday before Christmas if we would be able to get on live, so she was very gracious about that. I will introduce her to you in just a moment. Real quickly, a reminder that this uh, show, this episode, is sponsored by my book, The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why. Oh, I should have it. Up there on the screen, yep, there's our cover. Okay, it's been out for a little while now. This Friday, just before Christmas, it's still time to get it as a gift for somebody in ebook form. Uh, it's one of the nice things about having things electronically. So you can get to that by going to donking.com 3YO. Those of you who are on with us visually, there is a QR code up there. And uh, let's see if I can get it going here. I can also put it in text form. There we are. donking.com slash 3YO. I think it will be a good support for people who are looking at what's next in their life. So that could be you. Could be somebody else. In any case, glad to have you with us this week. So. Let me get that off of the screen. And my next privilege is to introduce you to our guest this week. I met Gina Soldano Hurley. Uh, Just recently, really, came across her in a writer's group in which I am a member. Uh, We'll be talking about Rachel Heron a little bit more later. But uh, Gina really impressed me right off the bat, not only as a writer, but the fact that she has taken steps, uh, as we talk about on this show, to bring her life into alignment with her values. And that sounds philosophical, but when we're talking about values, we're just talking about figuring out what's most important to you and then making sure that happens. Now, that may sound easy, but for a lot of people in the day-to-day grind they can lose sight of that. So Gina is somebody who has taken steps to make sure she is living those values. So in this week's show, we're gonna hear more from Gina. I've got a little bit of introductory material in the the recording, but mainly we're gonna let Gina introduce herself to you as I got to know her during this recording. So let's go ahead and bring on my virtual self, talking with Gina Soldano Hurley. And thank you for that intro, Don, my my real self. This is virtual, Don, because we did record this episode as scheduled. It is uh, supposed to be broadcasting on December the 22nd. That's going into the weekend just ahead of Christmas. And so we weren't quite sure how that would work out. So um, our guest today was kind enough to agree to record this episode. Now, if things go as planned, my real self is monitoring the chat, so we encourage folks to go ahead and post your comments, your, your chats. Uh, if there's a question for our guest, we'll get those questions to her. There's the possibility even the intro is recorded. You know what Christmas is like. We'll see how it goes. But in any case, I am so glad to have Gina Soldano Hurley, if I'm saying the name right. Gina, let's go ahead and bring you on stage. Welcome to the own. show. Yep, you did a great job yeah excellent excellent. uh you know this i started life as a writer and you are a writer uh one of the things i've had to do to adapt to that when we do podcasts there's a lot of words i know what they are and i'm not quite sure how to pronounce them yeah it's i i'll try to talk around
1: it sometimes and then look it up later
0: yeah yeah (laughs) So, uh, in any case, uh, we want to get right into what brings you here today. Of course, on the Alignment Show, we're always talking with people about how they brought their lives into alignment with their values. Uh, background, just a reminder for somebody who might be a new listener. This didn't come out of the pandemic, but it was kind of accelerated by the pandemic. We kept hearing about the great realignment or the great resignation. I I really think it's the great realignment as people realize life is short and you don't want to spend it doing something that doesn't matter to you. And so you seem, you struck me as somebody who has done a lot of thinking about that kind of thing. Um, you, you are a writer, which we're going to talk about the book here in a little bit. But, um, um, and, and again, I did the introduction a little while ago. We'll mention again, you and I met in a writer's group uh, with Rachel Herron. So just as we talked there, I thought, you know, Gina is somebody who would be useful for our listeners, inspiring for our listeners. Let me stop rambling here and ask you, what is it that brought you to the place, not just where you wrote a book in order to support uh, this thing that's so important to you? Tell us a little bit about what is so important to you that led you to that. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, when I I lived in Colorado from 2021, I've lived in Colorado off and on for years, but 2021 until earlier this year in 2023. And so when I moved there within the first few months, I had been asking my friends like, hey, does anyone know any nonprofits around here or places I can volunteer? Because I used to be a real active volunteer in high school. And then I kind of fell off when I had to start working like three jobs in college, you know, as happens. Uh, so I hadn't really been volunteering regularly and I really missed that. So I was just asking around at different places and I knew there were a few different areas specifically I wanted to volunteer in. And one of them was in food. Um, one was in food. I also wanted to help families in ways. Um, I did some work there, but I found my most regular position with Vindicate Foods. And, um, so that's Vindicate Foods in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's a food rescue. And I heard about it from a friend of a friend. I'd been there for like, I'd been in Colorado for like two or three months at the time. And she was like, yeah, I'm really active there. You should come check it out. We have open markets three days a week. Here are hours. And so I went and I went to one of the markets during their open hours. I stood in line because typically they have a line depending on how many people are there, like outside the door. And then they let people into shop. So it's not too crowded because, you know, fire hazards and things like that. So I waited in line, had my empty box, and I went in and I just was so overwhelmed. I felt a lot like the character in my book uh, just because like, you know, I was raised in the 90s in a very specific kind of community where like we don't take handouts or, you know, that kind of mindset. And I went there and it was just so brain shatteringly different than, than that background I had. So I went through the whole place. I only grabbed like, you know, a few things that first time. And then I was like, yes, I want to volunteer. Please sign me up. When can I get started? And I started, um, I didn't do it super regularly at first because I have carpal tunnel and I was having a really bad flare up at the time. That's difficult when you're working with unpackaging items and moving when you have to use your hands, which I did a lot because like a lot of it's lifting boxes and sorting through things and that sort of thing. So around the winter time, I started doing it more regularly, probably. So like winter 2021 and Tuesday night markets were my jam. Um, every, <clears throat> excuse me, every Tuesday night from 4.15 to 7.30 typically, um, I would go to their market because I was like the second half of their Tuesday market hours. And I was the produce girl. <laughs> I just, uh, they have like a produce maven is what their title is on their website for when you sign up for it. And I did a lot of other things too. Like I worked in the other areas I trained in all the different aspects of working there short of cardboard breakdown, which is not able for someone with carpal tunnel to break down cardboard all night. Like that's not something I can do.
0: So
1: (laughs) there are a lot of boxes, Um, but basically working there, it just kind of opened up a whole new way of looking at the food system because their whole mission is revaluing people and revaluing food it's not like one or the other it's this symbiotic thing where they come together and all this food I mean it grew out of dumpster diving the founder he had too much food from dumpster diving and he started sharing with his friends and then eventually he like turned it into this nonprofit. that's the origin story of the place it's phenomenal um but they get so much food and it's just everyone, the sense of community, it's the sense of community they have there. And it really feels like a little family of like, every like Tuesday night, we most of us were the same volunteers every time until so I got to know those people pretty well. And I miss them a lot now that I'm in Ohio. Um, but I just, I fell in love with the entire organization of it, because I've been familiar with the idea of food pantries. And, you know, like food stamps, like there's a barrier of entry, you have to have certain qualifications to get that help. But life is weird. And sometimes people have certain situations that make them not able to get groceries, but they don't quite qualify. And so everyone can go into vindicate foods, shop, take whatever they will use. They only ask that you'll only take what you use. So it doesn't go to waste because they're trying to combat food waste the whole time. Like that's the entire premise of it. Um, And yeah, they, they, it's like a more humanizing food shopping experience, you know, cause you can go and take what you need. And so I loved the idea of a food rescue so much that I wrote a book about it, but um, yeah, I, it's just, they've last year alone, they prevented 1 million. They rescued 1 million pounds of food that was going to be wasted.
0: So now let's, let me dig in a little bit. Cause obviously you've used the term uh, several times here and folks listening yeah. maybe going okay food rescue you know what yeah. that's in in contrast to uh what's the more common term uh, food pantry. food pantry yeah yeah uh, and so what's what's the idea behind food pantry or, or excuse me behind mm-hmm. food rescue
1: yeah so basically it's different in that everybody is welcome there's no barrier for entry no qualifying paperwork you don't have to have a certain income level to shop there you just have to show up and you, um, you can, it's a nonprofit and they run, they only have like two employees or something like that. They run primarily on donations and volunteer work. So you can donate, but it's not required. You can go there and if you need food, you can go there and shop during the market hours and take food and just go eat. Like you can have food because humans need food to survive. So, um. Yeah, there's no barrier. You can just go and shop anytime during the market hours. And then also you can volunteer instead if you would prefer, which is what I did. I would shop on Tuesdays while I like during the, I would shop on Tuesdays and volunteer on Tuesdays. So that's, that's what we did. Um, But yeah, it's, it's basically they're trying their best to get this food somewhere it needs to be so it can be used and also providing food for people who need it. And it's not just food, they have other items too sometimes. Like there was this one time they just had like a ton of deodorant or um, randomly, they had a bunch of underwear one time. Like they get like weird decorative items from stores cause they get things from all over there now. Like they get stuff from local farmers, from like Trader Joe's, like bigger places. It's just, you know, somehow it ends up there and it's kind of fun. You never know what's gonna happen when you open a box. Like, you never know, it's gonna be in there, so yeah
0: okay and and i think i've also picked up on the idea of the dignity of the people mm-hmm. there. um and maybe let's kill two birds of one stone here mm-hmm. i don't we don't know each other i don't know your backstory mm-hmm. but it sounds like you may have had some experience of being a recipient of the traditional food pantry at some point yeah
1: so i've never shopped at an actual food pantry but i have been the recipient of like food stamps. Um, and it's just, it's a very different experience because, you know, it's it's stressful to not be able to afford food when you need food. Um, and so their whole approach is just so refreshing and unique. And I mean, that's why I wrote the book so I could get more people to know about food rescues, because I would talk about it with people, maybe like a food pantry. And I would say no. It's not, it's a rescue. They're saving the food from being just dis- from like, that's still good. That can't be sold for whatever reason. Um, and they are giving it to people who need it. And it's just like this growing symbiotic relationship. But, um, uh, and they, I mean, they compost, they try to use and save everything they can. They recycle. It's really a, a great effort they have there. Hmm.
0: It happens just in the last week. And I think this was before you and I were talking about this episode. I saw a post from Tony Robbins, uh, the well-known speaker and uh he grew up in a household with a similar thing i heard you say a moment ago about you know we don't take charity Mm -hmm. uh and and that was that was his stepdad at the time so he experienced that uh he wrote about that just in the last week and i don't know for sure where his figures came from but he said given the amount of food that we produce worldwide Mm-hmm. There should be enough food for everybody to not only have food but to have half again more food than they need. Mm-hmm. And that,
1: so the problem true.
0: is not the food, the problem is distribution, is that? Yeah, it's
1: the food cycle, It's the food system. It's not the production of food because in the United States, I forget the specific number, but it's billions of pounds of waste every year and that's that happens in a variety of ways like you know in consumers homes or at the stores or wherever like it's it's the food cycle that we have and food rescues are kind of like taking a new approach and filling in that gap with the food cycle to try and you know they just serve so many purposes
0: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. That, that that makes a lot of sense whoever you are calling you're just gonna have to wait um yeah folks we do this live so um Let's we've mentioned the book a few times here, but it's it's unusual to put so much passion into something like Vindicate Foods. It's even more unusual to use writing as a way of supporting an effort like that. Uh, You are a writer other than just this one particular book. Right. How did you get started with writing?
1: You know like so many writers i wrote stories as a child and then when i was 18 years old with my first year of college i did my first NaNoWriMo and it is a very very poorly written YA sci-fi novel that has been buried ever since um i had i gave it to a friend to look at for like feedback who was also on the literary magazine with me at the college and she looked at it and just said, I don't like it. And I was like, really? <laughs> so, then I didn't write again for a long time. <laughs> you know. So then, um, when I got back into writing more, I started in kind of children's literature, like chapter book, middle grade ish. And then I had my son in 2018, and I really started focusing more on picture books after that. Um, I have written, you know, personal essay, memoir, adult fiction. I have a middle grade novel i'm like i need to send a revised something to my critique group next week or i will be getting angry emails um about it because of accountability uh but i work on all the different genres but the picture books were kind of the focus for me for a while because with my son like i come from a background where i was talking to a friend last night and she's like yeah it's just i love hearing your stories because you don't have a normal life and i'm like I just, I guess I don't have like whatever the typical or normal, you know, quote unquote experiences. So I have all these different experiences I've had and I like to try to communicate them through picture books because children deal with everything adults do, you know, death, hunger, anxiety, depression, you know, they deal with everything the same way and they don't always have language to deal with it. And as a child, I, I know now in hindsight, I started dealing with some of those things that first came up for me around 10 or 11 years old and I didn't have the language for it um and so it's my window to communicate with my son because I have to have these difficult conversations and I'm like how do I explain this in a you know easy to understand way um so that's primarily the type of picture books I do is I you know social emotional learning like anxiety depression um Audit, like auditory sensitivity, a lot of that kind of stuff is the things that I'm, I at projects in the works for. And then this one with the food insecurity and the food rescue um, as well. But yeah, I just kind of went on a whole tangent there, I feel like. But yeah. <laughs>
0: well, and a lot of writers do that. You know, I mean, we're, we're explorers. We're exploring the world through words. Uh, and in this case, through pictures. Um, let, let's do a couple of things here. I'm going to pull up Uh, For the folks who are with us visually on video, I'm putting a QR code up for Gina's website. And then if you, um, uh, did I make a crawl for that? I think I did. Uh, Yeah, there we are. So, you know, we've got that down at the bottom. And for those of you who are audio only, the website is GinaSoldano.com. That's G-I-N-A s-o-l-d-a-n-o.com we'll also have links in the show notes and i would like to also uh pull up the website here if we can oh, let's sure we, let's click this button right here uh this is like running a
1: starship sometimes let's see well, if we updated the home page otherwise this would be awkward oh <laughs> ah,
0: okay yeah glad that worked out there
1: yeah. <laughs> story
0: consultant ghostwriter, author Okay, so you can find a lot of information on here, and I'm betting, uh, let's see if we click on author, publications, projects, so you can you can see what all Gina has been up to. Oh,
1: and I just added under the um, author part some free downloadable resources for the book for educators and communities, like there are a couple coloring sheets, a writing activity, and a drawing activity, so I just put those up yesterday, so those those are out there now.
0: (laughs) Good timing on that, yeah. And so next, I want to put up the QR code that's specific to the book. Now, this is Nia's Rescue Box is the name of the book. And I'm not going to try to say the Amazon link out loud. That's just too long. But if you know Gina's name or you know the the title, Nia's Rescue Box, Nia is N-I-A, Rescue Box you can find it uh we're not just pushing amazon but that's the easiest way to find it
1: it's Uh, on bookshop and barnes and noble too good good excellent uh
0: and and maybe and you know we're doing this live but uh do you use the uh the books to read link you know to where you can put all the the things on the same site
1: books i'll tell you about
0: that later okay? okay yes i have
1: we yes i have so many questions <laughs>
0: okay and, and folks who are listening this is a resource where authors who are published wide it puts all of those resources on one page and you can share that link so folks can find you on uh, on amazon and on kobo and you know just wherever mm-hmm. the books are okay so um if if I'm not assuming if Gina wants to do that, we'll share that link in the show notes as well.
1: Also on my website, I have author interviews that I do on the blog and yours will probably go up on December 8th. I was going to get it up today, but it's probably going to be tomorrow. So by this, by the time this comes out, people can go check out your interview about your writing journey in your book. Excellent. Kind of a
0: cross promotion. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. That works out. That works out. And uh, let's see. There was something else that I wanted to show. Did I show the, oh, I haven't showed the Amazon website yet. Just so folks, people, one? The yeah,
1: one?
0: It, it, it helps for people to be able to visually see the book. So yeah. let's see here. Click this button. Our usual viewers are used to me fumbling like this a little bit. That's just the way it goes. That's how live TV used to be. Okay, Nia's Rescue. There's an
1: e-copy and a paperback on Amazon. All the other places just have the paperback print version, but Amazon does have the e-copy because I just want to make it as accessible as I can for people to spread, you know, what food rescues are and talk about.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this would be good for people to acquire. And by the way, again, a little reminder, this is coming out. Let's get the QR code off there. So we've got a little bit more. If you
1: you are unable to purchase the book, but you still want to read it, you can request at most libraries to purchase the book. So you could request at your library for them to purchase it. And then you and everyone in your community can read it. So. Very
0: good, very good. So we want people to know about this for not not only reading the book, although we want them to read the book, right. uh, get the book for your children, uh, mm-hmm. read the book to your children, show them the pictures, uh, but also, did I remember correctly, there's there's some support for uh, vindicate through this. Yeah.
1: So fifty percent of the profits, because publishing did have expenses, and I'm you know. A typical author that's not very affluent. Um, so once, um, yeah, fifty percent of all profits from the book go back to vindicate, and I'm gonna have to start writing those checks soon because people have been buying it. So that's really exciting. Excellent. Because uh, they are growing right now. Their 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 location where they are right now is starting to get too small for them because they're so big in the community and they get so much traffic in there that they're looking. They're starting a campaign. Well, they have a campaign going on right now to fund um moving to a larger location so that is a cool thing to look into uh,
0: and we're gonna put up yeah. I, I don't think we've showed this yet have no, we? Yeah,
1: that's their rootbound campaign they just started it recently because they are trying to get to a bigger location because there is such demand in the community for it in so many different ways i mean you can even go there in the summertime and get free plants you can get trees cool. places that carry plants that, yeah food rescues are where it's at they're just so and for
0: folks who live outside of Colorado, you know, I think maybe we have a uh, stereotypical view of Colorado of, you know, veil and rich people and all that kind of stuff. So the idea that there's food insecurity
1: oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, well, even in Colorado, I mean, Fort Collins, the community where I live, the homeless population is huge there. Like, it's, I mean, and that's not, it's not like it's only people who are homeless at the time go to the food rescue. Everyone does. I mean, you see people who look very different, all different kinds of representation there. And yeah, it's, Colorado's an expensive place to live. And just because of that, just because it's an expensive place to live, not everyone who lives there is very rich. It's like, it's, you know, it's, yeah. So, but there are food rescue organizations in other states and places too. I just, I'm just starting to get in contact with some of the local food rescuers here in Ohio, and I'm still trying to figure that out, but they don't, it doesn't seem like it's as big of a movement here as it is there. Cause there are some different ones in other parts of Colorado as well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and since the idea is food rescue, there may be more food waste in affluent areas. Maybe, Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's, that's going to affect the, the calculations mm-hmm. as well. So I, I think we've showed the QR code for Vindicate. We've got their website crawling across the bottom. I don't think we've spelled it out loud for folks who might be audio only. So again, we've got the links in the show notes at confidencecultivators.com, but you can go directly to vindicate foods at v-i-n-d-e-k-e-t foods all one word dot o-r-g and so that's a, a way to be able to contribute directly but by getting the book you're contributing indirectly and you're also educating people about the idea of food rescue so that's that, Talk about a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. So, um, boy, I've got phone You're calls coming in all over the place here. Sorry about that. No, Anyhow, no. Um, and we just roll with it. That's the live thing here. There was, let's see, there was a question that I wanted to ask um, around the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, curiosity, did you design the cover yourself or did you have... No.
1: So okay. Gina, can I tell you about the illustrator because yes, she was, was a phenomenal human. She's also a regular shopper at Vindicate. So we started a call out in the community for people to illustrate because I gave them a the blurb, the blurb I had for the book. I was like, I need an illustrator. Let's start a competition. And I had um, some submissions and she's her submission, I literally was speechless when I saw it. Just it encapsulates everything that I was trying to convey with words in a way that I couldn't, you know, with the images, because I've got the book right here. So she used um, mixed media. She used found materials. So there's like newspaper and watercolor and other cut paper. There's like a lot of cut paper going on and watercolors and things like the characters or done like that. And she, she's so talented. This was her first book. Like she'd never, she'd been doing art, you know, for a long time, but she'd never illustrated a book in this capacity before. So it was a learning experience for both of us, but her illustrations literally made me cry. They were just like, you know, it's it's one thing to write the story and it's another to see what someone can do with it and elevate it to a level that you couldn't have done with just the words. So yeah, with the, with the found materials and mixed media, it's everything that Vindicate is, you know, repurposing and rescuing what otherwise would have
0: been disposed of, so. Okay, that, that makes sense. I'm going to try to share, uh, can I do that, presentations, now let's go this route here, share
1: screen,
0: window. I'm, I'm trying to show just the book cover here so that we oh, can kind no of zoom in on it. Okay. There we are, that's a little bigger than what we could get with just the, um, the website. Mm-hmm. So first book cover, I mean, you, you've you been around writing enough to know those book covers are so important. And uh, so this is just cool on so many levels.
1: Yeah, it's just, it it's so exciting and also terrifying because now I have so many other things to do on the other side, you know, like promoting and marketing and all <laughs> of that. But it's, it's just, you never, you never like, at least for a children's author, a children's book author to like, do all of this work behind the scenes, writing and everything. And then to get in that first art is just one of those moments you want to sink into. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And again, for the, the folks who follow the show, who are into writing um, uh, this book is independently published. Yes, uh, th- That's the way I I tend to refer to it. People sometimes will equate self-publishing with vanity publishing, and that's not what it is. So independently published. And when you are an independent author, then mm-hmm. you are a writer, editor, business person, Publicist. publisher, publishing. In this case, means what does it take to get it out there, and marketer. Yeah. And so you're doing all of that, and and just without getting too much into the technicalities, because this isn't primarily a writer show. But um, it is very different, independently publishing a book that is primarily text.
1: <sighs> yes. We. <laughs>
0: So oh, you had to do a whole different process it is. ready for uh, as an ebook, um, because the print book print book is challenging enough, but you mm-hmm. can do the paperback through a wide distribution. Mm-hmm. You know? The ebook you yeah. made available through Amazon, and that's a different process with them than simply uploading that text. Yeah,
1: so Amazon made it relatively easy to do that. I the thing is, I was trying to make an ebook that I could upload to Ingram Spark to do wider distribution. You know, um, and trying to do that was the definition of madness. It just like I, the pro like I mean the programs are not user friendly. The it's it's just so it's such a Unless you are educated in that specific area, it's very difficult to muddle through as a children's book author. It's very different to e-publish a textbook, but with the images, there's just so much to take into account. So I decided to just put the e-copy on Amazon, and then the print copy is available everywhere else, as well as on Amazon, but... That's why only the e-copies on Amazon because they made it relatively easy. I just was tr- refusing to admit defeat, you know, <laughs> and I wanted to like, do it. But even um on even on the print one, um, there's this whole thing. I mean, you probably have heard of the gutter, like in yeah. books. Yeah, like the middle is the gutter, and then the edges are the are bleed for the bleed, people yeah. Yeah, for people who have illustrations, it's bleed. So like some of the pages on the earlier editions have like white edges a little bit like inconsistently. I mean, it's like, it's not that big of a deal, like a a five-year-old isn't going to be mad at me because there's a white edge on a, it's fine. It's, you know, but that, um, the illustrator was really, um, really kind and generous and worked with me to fix that. So it shouldn't have any more issues with the bleed on any of the editions. Um, yeah. And it was (laughs) just digital formatting for for illustrations, for picture books, is not user-friendly. Yeah. So, yeah. Do not
0: now, <laughs> so you know, uh, for our general listeners, the reason I'm focusing on this is not so much about the technicalities of the writing and independent publishing process, although I'm very interested in that. That's the way my own stuff goes. Um, but it's also a, another indication of the commitment that is involved it's not just pride that you don't want those white edges around there. You want it to be no. professional. Yeah. You know this. This is your heart that you're putting out into the world in order to make mm-hmm. a difference for something that matters to you so much. Yeah. That's the thing that you know anybody mm-hmm. can follow that in principle. So that's why I wanted to bring that out. There's always going to be barriers.
1: Yeah. It's it's definitely when you're on the independent publishing side, it's you have to learn how to do everything, then you have to learn how to actually do it, then you have to try it and then fail and then try it again and then fail and then try it and read another article about how to do it. And it's just this whole spider web of what it actually feels like as an experience of just like... <laughs>
0: exactly exactly and so you know the inspiration there for those who happen not to be writers is if you want to set up your own plumbing business there's going to be something similar you may know plumbing but Mm -hmm. you got to figure out accounting you got to figure out advertising and just there's always
1: with any business you have to figure out marketing and you know what that involves is formatting these days digital formatting you can't escape it no matter what field you're in unless you're like a civil service employee or something you know like (laughs)
0: Well, we are starting to come to a close of our time together, Gina. And so I always like to wind up with a question that I've been using for years in some fashion. I'm always a generalist talking with somebody who in some way is a specialist. There's probably something that you wish that I had asked about that I didn't know enough to ask. What do you wish I had asked and what would the answer to that be? That's a good question.
1: Um, well, I mean, I feel like we covered most of it, but I always like to tell people just like the insider look of food rescue sometimes. It's like what is, you know, one of the weirdest experiences you've had of opening a box. And I have to say, the the fact that bananas can ferment, I learned that bananas can ferment <laughs> through doing that. I don't know if anyone's aware of that, but it's possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess there's a reason that you don't, maybe there is somewhere banana wine.
1: Well, okay. I had one of the people there, he took a bite of the banana. He's like, kind of tastes like beer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it's a really fun and interesting world to be a part of.
0: Always something to learn yeah oh my well gina it is such Mm -hmm. a privilege to have you on the alignment show this week i think that your story is an inspiration to people and that's the reason we bring guests on thank you for the work you're doing with food rescue And thank you for writing, because so many people would have quit after that first experience of, this is not good. (laughs) You you kept at it, and you're making a difference with those books. So, folks, remember, the links will be in the show notes, confidencecultivators.com. I guess I should show, um, I I don't even have my own QR code. There's one up in the corner. (laughs) Okay, for the podcast, home Honestly, so.
1: thanks for having me on, Don. Because I know we were talking, I you know, listened to the episodes, and all these people are just doing such wonderful things. I'm like, it's hard to recognize what you've done objectively sometimes because I'm like, I don't know if I'm like qualified. Do we ever feel qualified? Probably not.
0: That's I think every writer in the world faces imposter syndrome, so. yeah. <laughs> You are doing good work and I appreciate you coming to our audience here. So hang around in the groom groom room, the green room for just a moment so I can thank you properly. In the meantime, folks, since this is being recorded, um, December 22nd is when we have it set. And we mentioned Rachel Heron a couple of times. If things go as scheduled, Rachel will be our guest next week. But I'm going to turn it over to my live self who will tell you for sure what's coming up next week in the meantime be sure that you are taking steps to live your here i am getting all bumbly with my own phrase here Gina's still hearing this over there in the green room here on the alignment show we focus on living your values so you can value your life yeah and for real she's going to be on next week so uh thank you Virtual dawn, I guess. I'm, I'm never quite sure how to refer to that. <laughs> Anyhow, I appreciate you joining us here in this holiday season. Uh, we will be back next week, December 29th. We have scheduled Rachel Heron. Rachel is a um, multi-published author. She's written in several uh, um, genres. She is a leader in the independent publishing author industry, if I can say it that way. And uh, that's another one that is recorded, so I already know what's coming up. Fabulous conversation with Rachel. You're going to want to tune into that. So in any case, I appreciate you being with us this week. I hope that you have a good holiday, however it is that you celebrate that. Uh, Remember that uh, we will be here with the Alignment Show, helping you to live your values so that you can value your life. that's it for this week's episode of the alignment show what has it inspired you to do in your own life whatever it is take action now and take the first step it will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness and remember to live your values and value your life we will see you next week on the alignment show